Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Still trying to figure out the mic situation, so for now we're compromising. Hopefully I don't sound too much different and too much worse. If it's better, let me let me know because I'll just stick with the setup I have now. It's not, I genuinely don't know if this mic is better or worse, it's just different. So, and it works, so I'm going to keep riding with it. Only thing is I have to record in increments now, um, which is completely fine. It really doesn't affect my, my end at all. It's basically the exact same when I'm editing it. It's just a few more uploads. It takes like a minute more. It's really not a big deal. So today's episode, obviously going to be a recap of week 15. Crazy week of football. The Saturday slate was really, really fun, starting with the greatest comeback in NFL history. Had a little bit of a lull in that Browns-Ravens game, which wasn't very interesting. Picked back up again on Saturday night in the snow game. In the elements, um, Buffalo versus the Dolphins, obviously. And then Sunday picked up right where Saturday left off. I mean, there was a bunch of overtimes in just the first opening window of football. I mean, Lions-Jets was a one-possession game to the very end. The Chiefs-Texans ended up going to overtime. Good for the Texans. Cowboys-Jaguars obviously went to overtime. And then Patriots-Raiders ended up finishing on the last second of the game, as well as Chargers-Titans. So again, there's a few games, really, really entertaining stuff. I'm not here to break it all down for you guys. I'm not going to talk about every single game because obviously some games just aren't really relevant to the playoffs. And I won't be talking about Monday Night Football. I definitely won't be talking about Falcons Saints. Definitely won't be talking about Cardinals Broncos. But I will, you know, cover a few of these games here. So stay tuned for it all. I'm ready. I'm really excited to get into it because it was an awesome week of football. And let's do it, guys. I'm just going to say from the get-go, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now, but my dogs are not stoked. I'm obviously at my parents right now. If you guys know me, you know my parents breed dogs. We have a lot of fucking dogs, all right? And I don't know what's going on, but they won't shut the fuck up. So if you're here in the background, I'll do my best, but I'm not going to keep restarting this because this is like my fourth fucking attempt and they won't shut the hell up. So I'm just going to say that right off bat. And then let's get to a more positive thing. Maybe not a more positive thing if you're a Colts fan, but I really don't think any Colts fans listen to me. Colts! Took the L in the largest comeback in NFL history, up 33-0 at halftime. Then I think they went up 36-0 even at one point. They did. Um, and then before you knew it, the Vikings just did what they do so well this year. They really are the cardiac kings. They make you watch every single second of every single game. Um, I still genuinely can't believe they did this. Obviously, you can say it as long as you want. But, I mean, the stats really don't lie. Kirk Cousins, 34 for 40, for 54, 460 yards, four touchdowns, two picks in this one. Both of his picks were in the first half. And again, it's not like the Colts were looking really dominant in this game. I mean, if you just look at the total yards, look at everything, really. Like, the Colts really didn't do anything too impressive. It was more so the... Vikings were just finding every way to fuck this game up for themselves. Uh, they had a blocked punt, obviously the two interceptions. The blocked punt, I believe, went for a touchdown, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. I didn't write it down or anything, but I mean, I've got some of the stats here. In terms of passing yards, the Colts only had 170 in the entire game. They only had 341 yards of offense the entire game. Compared to Minnesota, Minnesota had 426 passing yards and 518 total yards, obviously very skewed in their favor. Now the rushing yards are in favor of the Colts, but I mean, you would totally expect that from a game script like this where they end up down so much. You obviously need chunk plays, you need to get yardage fast, you need to score fast. And 
to the Colts' credit, they really did whoop ass in the first half. It was an all-around team effort. Their special teams played great. Their defense is playing well. Stephon Gilmore got the best of Justin Jefferson a few times, and then the second half came around. It all fell apart. Their offense looked anemic. Not that it looked you know, particularly good in the first half, but it really did look, it really, really struggled in the second half. Their third down efficiency was absolutely awful on the game 16 or sorry, six for 19 on the game, just absolutely atrocious stat lines. And then they had seven punts in the game. The Vikings only finished with six. Again, it's just crazy to think how catastrophically wrong this went for the Colts and how Honestly, how wrong it went for the Vikings the entire first 30 minutes of the game. They were able to flip it around so fast. Really impressive stuff there. And it's not to say that um, the Colts, or sorry, the Vikings don't deserve credit for this, but a lot of blame has to be given to the Colts. I mean, the Colts, they fucked up. They fucked up big time. Jeff Saturday is now responsible for two of the larger comebacks this season after only being a coach for, what, a month? Um, And I'm not here to shit on... Jeff Saturday, and that's not this. I Again, I'm very surprised that this Colts team is not better as a whole. I really had high expectations of this team going into the season. There was a lot to look forward to. They added a lot of stars between Unique Ngakwe, Stephon Gilmore. I thought Matt Ryan was a clear upgrade over Carson Wentz. Um, Jonathan Taylor, obviously coming back from the season he came back from. I really did have high expectations for this team. It's crazy to see how far they really have fallen. And their defense really just disappeared, particularly in the fourth quarter. Minnesota ended up putting 22 unanswered in the fourth, and their drives were like three-minute drives every fucking time. They were getting chunk plays. They were easily advancing the ball. It was just, I get that the Colts want to just play deep and keep everything in front of them and bend, don't break, but at some point, they got down in the red zone and they just kept breaking. That's not a sustainable way to play. Um... It's just an utter disaster on all fronts. And from the Vikings standpoint, it's yes, in a way you could totally say glass half full approach to this is this is the greatest comeback in history. Is this team, you know, destined for, you know, to do something like this in the playoffs? Can they do this in the playoff setting? Um, I wouldn't count on it. I think, you know, the glass half empty approach is sort of like, how the fuck did they let the Colts get up 33 nothing? Now, obviously, they ended up winning the game. So in the long run, sorry about that. In the long run, it doesn't really matter because they ended up winning the game. And it was a, obviously a very impressive win. But I still think there's something there to keep in mind. Like their offense just disappears in spurts. And obviously, they can completely blow up. But they're just such a frantic team, and I really don't know what to make of them still. I still think they're the third or fourth best team in the NFC. Um, I think you have to say fourth because of the ass-whooping that the Dallas Cowboys gave them earlier this year. But it's not like the Dallas Cowboys have looked particularly impressive over the last couple weeks. Um, And I'll get to that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars later because that was fucking insane. But... Again, this Vikings team is just really hard to figure out. Uh, they're obviously uber talented on offense. Kirk Cousins has been on a heater this year. He's having one of his best statistical years. Justin Jefferson, obviously one of, if not the best receiver in the league. But this team is really hard to make out. Um, their defense did play a lot better in the second half. But again, it's this wasn't really a... a problem with them not being able to contain Matt Ryan and Michael Pittman and Zach Moss. Those guys really didn't have great days. It was just an all-around team collapse. This is what I'm talking about. I'm going to pause this really quick. Saying, I think we're good now. As I was saying, it really was just an all-around utter team collapse. Um, And 
this Vikings team is must-see must TV because at the end of the day, if they're doing this stuff in the regular season, they've done it multiple times at this point, and they've done it against legitimate competition like the Buffalo Bills. And even though that was pretty fluky, I don't think they'd be able to do something like that again. It does beg the question, could they do it in the playoffs? Um, I don't know. I guess we will see. Up next, let's talk about the Dolphins versus the Bills after I get these dogs to shut up one more time. So with Colts Vikings out of the way, like I said, let's get to Bills Dolphins, really, really fun game. Obviously, the snow game that really didn't end up being a snow game until the fourth quarter, but those fans look like they're having a ton of fun. It was really cool to see the snowballs be thrown on the field. It actually got so bad at one point. They had to stop the game and tell fans not to be throwing snowballs, but either way, it was a really, really fun game to watch. I was really impressed with the Dolphins in this one. I think that's really the take of a lot of people. Um, and I gotta say, I completely agree with it. I mean, this game, I was really impressed with the Dolphins despite the loss. They really kept up with the Bills very well. Tua Tonga-Valoa um, kind of came back to his older self after regressing a bit in the last two weeks. He did have a rough couple weeks, especially against the Chargers. That was a really rough game. But as a whole, this team played a lot of really good football. I still am a little concerned about their defense at times. I like what Jalen Phillips is doing a lot. Bradley Chubb's been pretty quiet since he's gotten there. But honestly, the addition of Bradley Chubb has kind of just helped free up Jalen Phillips a little bit and he's been breaking out a lot more since he arrived there I really really like that duo going forward they're young they're really powerful they're they can do a whole lot as far as pa excuse me pass rush ability they're not just one-dimensional they're not just power guys they're not just speed they're very well well-rounded young pass rushers that can still get better so I really like that as a future standpoint going forward but just this game um looking at it in a vacuum there's a lot of really good takes out there about this game. I've seen a lot that I really agree with. I think the Dolphins got away from the run game way too early in this game. Raheem Mostert had 100 yards by the time the first quarter was over. And it really felt like they got away from him a little bit. I know they were down for most of this game and they needed to play a little catch up. But it really didn't feel like the Bills could stop the run game in this one. And we've seen in the Sean McDermott era, the Bills... Honestly, one of their biggest weaknesses on defense, if they have any at all, is sometimes they, they let themselves get run on a lot. And this looked like one of those games. Salvin Ahmed coming back in this one. I don't even know he was still on this team. Running really, really well for the Dolphins in this one. Raheem Mostert, 17 for 136. Eight yards a pop. And then Ahmed, 6 for 43, 7.2 and a tutty. So, I mean, again, on the ground, they played really, really well. Tua Tonga-Vailoa just limited his mistakes in this one again. There was a dropped interception in there that probably should have been a pick. But it was a tough catch. It was Taron Johnson, I believe his name is, number seven for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I know it's something. John I think it's Taron Johnson. Anyways, Tua looking better in this one. 17 for 30, 234 yards and two touchdowns, one of them being a long bomb to Jalen Waddle. And just playing in these elements, I was really impressed with these guys. I didn't think that this game was going to be this close. I was pretty confident the Bills were going to win by at least a touchdown. But again, as far as the Bills go, Josh Allen is just ridiculous. Really putting the team on his back in this one. When the run game really wasn't there, he had 10 carries for 77 yards, obviously 7.7 .7 a carry. That's simple math. And then 25 for 40, 304 yards and four touchdowns. Again, he also had an interception dropped in this one. But I mean, 
again, the question kind of comes up and maybe I'm just overanalyzing this and this is just me nitpicking because the Buffalo Bills are an incredible football team and I can't see them going very far in the playoffs. I love what they did with all their weapons here. They really spread the ball out nicely in this one. Naheem Hines got his own. Um, Dawson Knox actually led the team in receiving this game, which was really cool to see. And I've, I've been one who's really praised Dawson Knox. I really, really like him as a talent. And I like the way they distributed the ball. It wasn't too much Gabe Davis. It wasn't too much Stephon Diggs. They really got everybody involved in this one. But to the point where, or back to the point I was trying to make initially, excuse me, I still am a little worried that this team needs to find their run game. They need to establish the run a little more. I still think they're too reliant on Josh Allen. And it's not like Josh can't do it. It's just there isn't a certain factor about Josh. And it's totally what you're going to get with him. And it's what you're paying all all of the money for. He's totally, you know, able to break out and make a big play with his legs or his arm at any given time. He can absolutely flip a game in one play and just change the momentum easily. But... In addition to that, he's also a risk taker and he's he does run a lot and he's very physical running, which is obviously leads him to susceptible to injury, but also his gunslinger mentality can lead him to do some stupid decisions. Um, that's something we don't see as much with Mahomes. We saw that a little bit earlier in his career. He's really cleaned that up as of this year. But again, it's more of a nitpick thing. I think my biggest takeaways from this game is I'm really impressed with Miami. Um and how they're able to play on the road. I think they got away from their run a little bit in this one. And I think Mike McDaniels is smart enough to realize they're probably going to be running the ball a lot more, especially as the playoffs come and once they do get into the playoffs, because they've proven to be a pretty efficient running team, especially with Raheem Mostert leading the way. He's obviously a very, very fast back in that zone scheme they run. He can pick a hole and hit it fucking fast and hard. Um, So I'm expecting to see a little bit more of that. Mike McDaniels knows what he's doing. And overall, I think there's similar problems on the Bills. I think they need to establish the run more too. Uh, The only problem is the Bills, when they have run the ball, they haven't shown nearly as much, um, I guess, promise is the word. They haven't shown nearly as much explosiveness. Devin Singletary, only 3.2 yards per carry. James Cook looked pretty good in this one. Uh, He had a couple catches as well. I think they need to get him more involved, if I'm being honest. Uh, I really, really liked him coming out of Georgia. And he is a pretty explosive back. He's got a little bit of Alvin Kamara in him. Not that he is Alvin Kamara, but a little bit of that factor just in his electricity, just how fast he can move and how good of a pass catcher he is out of the backfield. So I'm expecting to hit the, 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 the. I'm expecting them to use him a little more. But overall, it was a really, really fun game, really fun watch. And let's move on to the next game. Up next, let's start with Let's just go. I was going to talk Eagles Bears, but honestly, I really don't want to. All I really want to address in that game, because again, it really doesn't matter. We all know the Eagles make the playoffs. We all know the Bears aren't. We all know the Bears are kind of tanking and they're honestly doing a masterful job at it because it doesn't look like they're tanking. A lot of their rookies are showing promise. Kyler Gordon with a pick in this one. Um, but all I really want to say is Jalen Hurts is the fucking MVP. I don't, I don't think... Uh, earlier, I would have totally said it was Mahomes, but Jalen Hurts' efficiency and his numbers just do not lie. The dude's got five picks all year. Two of those picks came against Washington. Two of those picks came on Sunday against us, the Bears. So if you think about that, you take those two games out of the equation. He's played 14 games all season. The dude has thrown one interception in 12 games on that efficiency. And he was supposed to be you know, a project as a passer. Um, yes, he has a great team. Yes, 
this defense is nasty. They have a good run game, good offensive line, good weapons. I don't fucking care. Give the guy the MVP. He deserves it. That's really all I have to take away from this one. And keep in mind, I still think the Eagles are going to win next week. I don't really care who they're playing. I don't remember off the top of my head. He does have a sprained shoulder, unlikely to play. But Gardner Minshew is one of, if not the best backup in the NFL. They're going to be completely fine for a week that he's out. Obviously, if this injury ends up staying long-term, they might have to change how they're using him a little bit. But sprained shoulder, I think will be all right, at least in the next couple weeks. They might limit his rushing a little bit. But I don't expect this team to make any steps backwards at all. So that's really all I have to say about this game. So let's get into the Giants versus the Lions. Or, sorry, Jets versus the Lions. Wrong New York team. The Lions obviously started the year 1-6. and six. They are now 7-7, seven and seven, 500 for the first time. And I don't fucking know how long. Uh, Jared Goff playing really, really well the last month. But this team just, they're believing. It's really, really obvious this team is totally bought into the Dan Campbell knee-biting system. Um, Their defense is playing a lot better football. I've heard one of the takes coming out of this game, and this is what I really want to address about it because I'm not too surprised by the result in this one. Obviously, pretty much a toss-up game. I think the Jets were one-point favorites, if I'm not mistaken, and honestly might have closed as a pick I really don't remember. I didn't bet on this game. That's not my point. But a lot of people are saying, whoa, are saying that Zach Wilson might have just cemented himself as a starter in this one going forward. I tend to disagree. I think the numbers lie a little bit. Yeah, he had 317 yards. Yeah, he had two touchdowns. One of them came in a really big play, shot down the field to Garrett Wilson, who, by the way, I think is going to be a superstar in this league. He is so good. It is a little bit of a bummer to see him on the Jets. And it's not because I don't like the Jets. I don't want the Jets to be good. It's just when I see young receivers like this, I always feel kind of bad when they don't have a franchise quarterback throwing their way um, because it just makes you think, like, how much better could this guy be? But the Lions' run defense has been excellent. So that's, to their credit, Zach Wilson had a little bit more on his shoulders this week. Um, It was a very close game. You know, you need those clutch moments. But at the end of the day, he really didn't deliver for me. He was only 18 for 35, basically a 50% completion rate. He left a lot of yards on the field. So again, I'm not that impressed by it. When your run game is shut down and you only put up these kind of numbers and a lot of them are on really big chunk plays, again, Maybe I'm just hating, and I'm sorry, Jets fans, but I really don't believe in Zach Wilson. Hopefully, he proves me wrong, because obviously, I'm not rooting their guy's downfall or anything. I just never have been that huge on him, and I think a lot of people are kind of overreacting in this game that Zach Wilson, you know, proved that he should be the starter the rest of the year. I wouldn't jump to that conclusion just yet, but I mean, overall, this team's just played each other really, really hard. We've seen how much better this Lions defense has been playing. And again, I I credited their defense two weeks ago. I credited it last week. I'm doing it again. They're a huge part as to why they're still winning. And yes, Jared Goff deserves his flowers. These weapons are playing much better. I love Amara St. Brown. I'm a big DeAndre Swift guy, even though he has been, you know, very hit or miss all season if he has been playing. Um, This defense deserves a ton of credit. And this coaching staff, this defensive coordinator, I'm forgetting his name right now. It's, um... Fuck, who's their DC? I don't know. It doesn't matter. They deserve a ton of credit for what they're doing. I absolutely am buying into this Lions team, not only this season as to making the playoffs, which I think they have like a 40% chance or something. Not that they're certainly going to make it because they still have to get over Washington and the Giants, which by the way, I'm definitely going to rant about that Washington game for a minute. So get ready for that. We'll get to that later. But I mean, 
who knows in the future going forward this team has a lot to look forward to if you're a lions fan you might be excited for the first time in forever so not too much to say about that game there so let's move on to what am i gonna move on to let's go let's go raiders yeah let's go raiders patriots right now again probably not going to talk about this game too long but there were some playoff implications and a crazy way to end the game so let's get right into it so as someone who took raiders money line this was one of the most fucking exciting games in the last i don't even know how long it was fucking amazing um i do want to say patriots totally got fleeced that that <laughs> I was very excited to see the Raiders win. It was totally awesome. You know, crazy sending ever. I'm sure you guys have seen it already, so I'm not going to explain what happened. If you haven't, go look it up. Just look up, you know, you know what to look up. Ending a Raiders Patriots, fucking ridiculous. Um, but what I'm really focused on was the touchdown to tie this game in the first place. I believe it was Keelan Cole, if I'm not mistaken, who, by the way, I didn't even know he was on the Raiders. I kind of totally forgot about that. But he made a... Look like a miraculous catch live. Uh, really impressive stuff. Dot from Derek Carr, by the way. But then the replay review showed he clearly, his second foot was not in bounds. It totally was on that white line. Um, I don't know what the refs thought wasn't clear and obvious, but it looked pretty clear and obvious to me that his foot was out, out of bounds and ended up calling it a touchdown. So it kind of brings me to that point. Officiating has been really fucking bad. And especially this weekend, it felt like it was really bad. Um... With this being said, the Patriots are now practically out of playoff contention. The Chargers have taken their spot very quickly. Um, and the Chargers are definitely on pace to make the playoffs. I believe if they win this next week, the Chargers automatically make it in. So good for them. Obviously excited to see that as you know a secondary Chargers fan. That's not really my main team, but I love the Chargers. Obviously, I've gone to their, a few of their games, and it's the closest team to me that you know, has a special place in my heart. Obviously the Austin Eckler connection, all that bullshit. You guys already know about all that. I'm not going to get into that. But my point is Chargers now on pace to make the playoffs. Patriots are not Raiders basically playing for nothing. Um, Josh McDaniels, you know, knocks off the master in Bill Belichick. But I mean, all in all, uh, it was just <laughs> all I can think about from this game. All I can really remember from this game truly was how bad Mac Jones played. Mac Jones, um, I was definitely very critical of how this offensive coordinator, you know, dual system between Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, how that was unfolding and how I really didn't like how they were treating Mac Jones. But I do think that Mac Jones has to take some blame in this one. I was very um, easy on him. I was more blaming the, the offensive coordinator situation in previous weeks, but there's definitely some plays he left on the field. And this one did not look good at all. The numbers fully explain it. I mean, 13 for 31, only 112 yards all game. That is, that's Zach Wilson-esque, especially against a Raiders secondary that has been very subpar all year long. Ramondre Stevenson continued to look like a superstar. Um, and yes, I said it that way. He is so fucking good. I love Ramondre Stevenson. He runs well. He catches well. Um, just a smart player. Does all the right things. And then Josh Jacobs, you know, continuing to get insane workload as we see in this one. But this was really just a Patriots defensive special. I mean, they took Devontae Adams basically out of this game. They really forced everyone else to beat them. Darren Waller coming back in this one, having a long touchdown, which just absolute busted coverage, which you really don't see against the Patriots. But I mean... It was pretty clear the Patriots had a pretty good defensive game plan in this one. I think they fully deserved to win this game. They got robbed of an officiating call that obviously swung this game 
towards the Raiders and they ended up winning off a crucial mistake from Jacoby Myers, which ended up being the dagger in this one. But just for your quarterback to only have 112 yards and for you to be this, you know, close into this game, it really is telling. And I'm really am impressed with Coach Wow, with Coach Belichick and what he's been doing. There's a storyline going around right now. Should he, you know, step away from the league? Should he, you know, go into media and not be a coach anymore? Is it time for him to retire? Fuck that. No, it's not. He's still one of the best coaches in the league. I don't, I'm not buying all that bullshit. I don't think so. I think there's a lot bigger problems than that. I don't think he's the one to blame at all. And this was an overall just absolute disaster for the Patriots. And it's looking like they're going to miss the playoffs for the first time in fucking forever. So, yeah. Good for the Raiders. Good for the Chargers. <laughs> really weird that the Raiders won and the Chargers are feeling good about it. But an absolute disaster by the Patriots. Um, again, not going to talk about that game for too long. I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about two more games and then let's get out of here. Cause I am in a little bit of a time crunch today. So let's, we'll keep the same recording going. I have to talk about Jaguars, Cowboys, obviously you need to talk about that game. Um, the biggest storyline in this one has to be Dak Prescott actually played a pretty good game, but he just had a few really, really crucial mistakes. One of the bigger storylines coming out of this one is Jacksonville and their playoff hopes are very much alive. Tennessee has been slipping. They obviously lost again this week to the Chargers. Um, really impressive win by the Chargers there. That's the type of game where the Chargers lose. Uh, that's just an absolute trap game for them. Tennessee coming into town, um, coming off a big emotional win against the Dolphins, who are obviously contenders in the AFC. I was expecting them to, you know, dip down a little bit. That's a totally, you know, last year it was going to the going to Houston and losing against the Texans. I was kind of seeing a slimmer thing play out here. Uh, I thought Derrick Henry was going to run really well, which, by the way, he had a good game. It's not like he didn't, but they contained him well enough. Um, their playmakers made just enough plays. And honestly, Justin Herbert ended up being the difference in this one. So again, social media quarterback, my fucking ass. But I'm sure you guys have already seen that already. Either way, we're not covering that game right now. Um, it's just relevant to the Jaguars because the Jaguars are very much have their playoff hopes alive. Tennessee Titans slipping, obviously. And they play each other week 18. But let's talk about the game at hand. Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Dallas Cowboys. Um, shout out Rayshon Jenkins. Having the best game I've almost ever seen from a cornerback. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. 18 combined tackles between assisted and solos. Two picks and obviously one of them being the closer, the walk-off in this one. Uh, 18 tackles from a cornerback is fucking stupid absolutely stupid so shout out to him um don't know if he's getting enough credit online but he absolutely deserves it and of course one of the biggest storylines in this one is trevor lawrence just continuing to emerge him and fields are by far and away looking like the best quarterbacks out of that 2021 draft class obviously mac jones started off the best being in the best system having the best things around him but now that they're finally starting to show their true colors we're starting to get a better idea there's a little more film um these teams have built up around these guys a little bit better. Uh, Lawrence is finally looking like everything we thought he was going to look like coming out of Clemson. He was obviously the chosen one, had a ton of hype behind him. He's finally living up to that standard. And I've got to say, I am so impressed with what he's been doing, especially the last month. He is a serious playmaker, made a few plays completely on his own, off schedule in this one. And it's the type of stuff that if you're a Jaguars fan, you absolutely love to see. You've been waiting to see it from from. Trevor Lawrence. And I mean, I think it was Sam Monson of PFF said it greatly. Trevor Lawrence has had like seven or eight, maybe nine great games in his career so far. And five or six of them have come in the last eight weeks. 
something like that. I mean, he's he's seriously progressing so fast right now, and I hope the Bears take a similar approach to what they did with with uh, Lawrence this offseason because obviously they spent big. And yes, you could say I was a little critical. They overpaid Christian Kirk a little bit. They overpaid Foley Lubicon. They overpaid for some of these guys, but I understood it because. They're a bad team that's got to overpay a little bit for some of these guys. No one really wants to voluntarily go to Jacksonville, but if you're going to get paid way above market price for your talents, you're going to be more inclined to go, and it's paying off. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, Zay Jones in this one really, really broke out, um, had a really long touchdown in this one, but Christian Kirk continued to do his thing. Evan Ingram, obviously guys that were just brought in this offseason, they're making serious contributions. Actually, Zay Jones was also brought in this offseason. What am I saying? So again, three guys really leading the way for them in the receiving core that were just brought in this offseason. Um, not saying they're going to be like the big long-term future for them, but definitely giving Trevor the opportunity to show his skills, show his talents, and they're winning football games now. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys are no joke. That's obviously not a bad football team. They've kind of slowed down in the last few weeks. I mean, CeeDee Lamb had an incredible game in this one, but their pass rush as a whole has just kind of disappeared in the last couple of weeks. It's been really weird to see Micah Parsons really slowed down in this one. He had a good amount of pressure, but no stacks in this game, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he had any stacks in this one. I'm not dumb, right? Yeah, no sacks in this game. Oh, no, he did have one sack. I'm tripping. Sorry about that. Um, adds another one to the book. But, I mean, besides him, there really wasn't a whole lot going on. I believe that was the only – yeah, that was the only sack of the game. So, you really expect to see more from those guys who started the season off so well. Kelvin Joseph is getting absolutely destroyed on social media. And I can't say he doesn't entirely deserve it. He got burned a couple times really, really bad. But overall, I mean, I wouldn't discredit the Cowboys so much. There are some concerns amongst their defense and just regressing a little bit. But I think we have to give a ton of credit to this Jacksonville front office, uh, Frank Reich and Trevor Lawrence for really, you know, putting it all together the last couple of weeks. I've been really impressed with what he's been doing. Not even a couple of weeks, like past month and a half. I've been really impressed with how he's been playing. This is the guy I expected when he was coming out of Clemson. And again, the numbers don't lie. They had 503 total yards, even more rushing yards on the ground than the Cowboys. So again, the Cowboys known as a more, you know, heavy um, run game, you know, kind of going off that play action. The Jacksonville Jaguars did a really good job slowing all that down, and it really affected the rest of their offense. Tony Pollard actually led the way on the ground for this one, but only 19 for 75, less than four yards of carry. Again, we really expect him to be that explosive back, big plays. They really limited that one or that element in this game, so really impressive there. And I like that this young team is not getting penalized a whole bunch in this last month. That's one thing I've really noticed while I've been watching their games. They've been getting penalized a lot less. And so I'm really impressed with them there. And the fact that they lost the turnover battle and still won, again, a really impressive feat. That really doesn't happen a lot. Um, they had three total turnovers in this one. The Cowboys had two. And they still found a way to win the game. So got to give them a lot of credit there. And the Jacksonville Jaguars... Making a playoff push, really impressive stuff. Now, before I get out of here, I've got to talk about Giants versus Commanders. My God, let's get to it. All right, so like I said, got to talk about Giants. Commanders, um, Giants getting it done in this one, having the exact same record before this. Both these teams still in the playoff picture because of their tie earlier. It really does help them out, but... 
I'm not really focused on the X's and O's in this game. Um, one thing I will say before I get into a little bit of a rant, Jahan Dotson really is an incredible receiver. He's a lot better than I thought he'd be right off the bat. He's really, really impressing me as a contested catch guy. For being his size, he really is good at that. He's got really good body control, really strong hands. Um, and he's faster than I thought. I mean, at least on tape, he looks faster than I thought. But the storyline of this game is totally the officiating, and it deserves to be, you know, at the forefront. It was atrocious, absolutely atrocious. It really does validate all the conspiracy theorists, and it really does make me think the thought, just does the NFL not want Dan Snyder in the playoffs? Are they, you know, rooting against him? Obviously, there's been a lot of backlash against him. He's dealing with, I think, I think it's in court right now. He's dealing with a civil case. Um, sounds like a terrible guy. Um, obviously, has a ton of power being you know, a billionaire and an owner of an NFL team. So who knows what's going to come out of that. But I mean, it just sucks. It just sucks. It totally felt like the Washington commanders got fleeced in this one. I mean, coming down to the end of it, it, you really thought Heineke was going to give you one more magic moment and they were going to find a way to do it. And honestly, he totally should have. It wasn't his fault that they didn't. There was two egregious, egregious, egregious calls that really do feel like the refs had it out for the commanders in this one, one of which being the non-pass interference called in the end zone. And from a DB's perspective, you can kind of understand what he's doing there. You're just not trying to allow a touchdown, right? Just anything but a fucking touchdown. So if you got to tackle the guy before the ball's even there, do it. You know what I mean? And he did. He frankly did. He, he literally held him down to the ground, had his arms around him, out in front of him. And there was no way in hell Curtis Samuel, I believe it was Curtis Samuel, was going to catch that ball. That was just basically physically impossible. There was no flag thrown. It was in Washington, which makes it even worse. All the fans were booing. They were all super pissed. And it's totally fair and granted for them. And then, of course, there was the Terry McLaurin thing where... You see this all the time. Receivers look at a ref, they give them a little thumbs up, they make sure they're lined up right, they're not in a legal formation, nothing's going to happen, they're not too far up, not too far back, they're all good, right? That happens all the fucking time. This time, Terry was in an interview, and I have a feeling he's going to get fired, fined for this, which just fucking sucks, and it's ridiculous that you know we can't do more about this kind of thing, because you can't really talk about it, or you're going to get fined, and again, it's just that big brother mentality that all these owners have and i'm fucking sick of it but whatever it's it's they have all the fucking power because they have all the money so it's so hard to do it against anything against it i get it they're the oligarchs of the nfl but the fact that the players and the coaches can't even criticize criticize excuse me the refs publicly without getting fined or making you know an involuntary contribution to a charity of the nfl's choice is just fucking bullshit to me it's fucking ridiculous i think it's stupid because I get what you don't want excuse making and you want these guys to, you know, be respectful and the refs are humans too and they make mistakes. But when they're this egregious and it's just, I'm impressed with Washington's players and coaches, Ron Rivera in particular and Terry McLaurin really impressed me with how well they kept their composure. Because if it was me, 
and I'm obviously not as competitive as these professional athletes, I would be losing my shit. I mean, as a Washington fan, I know tons of Washington fans that were, maybe not tons, that's, that's an exaggeration. I know Washington fans that were losing their shit and totally for granted reasons. This was absolutely egregious. It was bullshit. I don't know how the fuck we kept letting the NFL, keep letting the NFL get away with this kind of shit. There needs to be a more accountable system or just more accountability period. There needs to be a system which, you know, promotes more accountability because it's, it's not fucking fair and there needs to be I, I know it slows down the game a lot if there's more me- replay review but I mean I don't get how else you do it besides there needs to be like three or four refs constantly watching on screens and just being able to tell the guys in the field no not a foul pick up the flag or yet yeah, you guys missed it fucking you know call flag or whatever there needs to be a better system here because maybe I'm bit because I had Washington money line. Maybe that's why. But like that's a fucking valid reason why. If it's affecting betters to the point where eventually, yes, I get it. They're billionaires and they can do whatever they want. And people are going to watch the sport anyways. But eventually, it's going to bite them in the ass. I don't know when it's going to or how it's going to. But I know eventually it will. And I was so... I'm sorry. I'm fucking... I'm so mad about this game. Because yes, I had the money line and I'm a better and whatever. I'm degenerate. Whatever. But I know there's other people that have the same feelings as me. I know there's Commanders fans that are so bad about this one. And frankly, I've been on the other side of this too. Cassius March last year against the Steelers. Don't think I forgot about that shit. The refs need to improve their shit. I get it. They're human. They're always going to make mistakes. But in the biggest stages with betting, with all this, it's only helping the conspiracy theorists say all these bullshit things that the NFL games are rigged, that they don't want Dan Snyder in the playoffs. And it's like... When shit like this happens, it's hard to make an argument against all that stuff. So again, I you can probably hear it in my voice. I really am passionate about this. It really does piss me the fuck off. I cannot believe this game went down the way it did. And I don't know what else to say, but the NFL needs to do something about it. As a fan, I'm hurt. As a better, I'm hurt. I'm pissed. I'm not even a Commanders fan, but the Commanders did not deserve to be fleeced in this game. I'm not even saying they deserve to win this game and that they got fleeced that hard. And who knows what would have happened. But again, it's that idea of who knows what would have happened if the right calls were made in that time. Because at the time, it's not like it's this 50-50 fucking thing. Those were penalties. Or sorry, one of those were the, It was pass interference, right? And when he's asking the referee if he's all set and he's saying the referee said is saying he's good, why the fuck are you throwing the flag? It makes no fucking sense. I don't get it. There's all these memes about it. And it's like, and there's no logical explanation to me about this. I really don't understand it. And it's egregious. It shouldn't be happening on this stage. Whew. And that's the end of my rant. I'm sorry you guys had to deal with that. But ending this podcast with a little tangent hope you guys don't mind this is going to be out tuesday night if you enjoyed this content be sure to follow my instagram at murphy's league be sure to follow this podcast here on spotify share this with your friends and family i appreciate each and every single one of y'all and peace out y'all